Sorry to disappoint you So what was your expectation? Nah, I'm just an everyday dude Oh, you expected perfection? This is what Christianity is supposed to be like I make mistakes Like, lots of mistakes I'm just trying to do the best that I can do I guess I'm just imperfectly human Yo Welcome back to another week of the Imperfectly Human podcast. I'm your host, Mr. Daly. Thank you for rocking with me once again. It's been a good week. Um, lots, lots been happening, busy on all fronts. Uh, been excited to get back in this chair and record another session and talk to you guys. And what are we going to be talking about this week? We are going to jump into some friendly fire um, in a segment called Are You Alright? And just talking about friendships, um, the gift of the maturity of the male bond. Um, Then we're going to jump into daily perspective, talking continuing our theme from last week looking at manhood in the modern or the modern view the modern take Um, this time we're going to be jumping into family structures and what part that plays and then uh, finally we will jump into some soul searching and kind of keep into a theme here I'm Something that perplexed me um, in the past week uh, in my reading was just the different standards of sexual purity that um, were applied to men and women in the Bible. So, you know, just exploring that, just thoughts. But before we jump into any of that... I want to talk to regular listeners of the Imperfectly Human podcast. If you are a regular listener of this show and you have not subscribed, what are you waiting for? To subscribe, head over to your favorite streaming platform. Search for the Imperfectly Human podcast. And when you find the podcast, I want you to subscribe. Now, how do you do that? If you scroll all the way... So, for example, on Spotify. If you scroll all the way to the top of the show's page, there is a little button on there that you can click to follow the show clicking that button subscribes you to the show and right next to it there's a notification bell click the notification bell and you will get notifications whenever a new episode drops it's that simple so go ahead subscribe follow and show your support. Now, I got a question for you out there. What are your friendships like? Because 
my friendships are well no let me let me put this into context um i have my core group of friends and when i say my core group these are the guys that i talk to pretty much every day these this is my link up crew um these are, these are the guys that I connect with on a regular basis. Um, then I've got the next tier, if that's a thing. I've got the next... Um, it's not that... So the guys in my core group are the guys that I grew up with. Um, one of my friends I've known since I was six. And... The other two guys I've known since I was 16. Uh, coincidentally, the guy that I've known since I was six has known the guys that I know, I've known since I was 16 since he was 11 because they went to the same school. Just funny how friendships work. We all met in different times of our lives, but we're a core group of friends. Then I've got friends that I've made later in life. Um, I've got a really good friend that I made through work. And that's a different dynamic to my other friendships. But there, there is a running theme with my friendships. Then I've got another friend that was introduced to me um, by someone I used to work with. And she said, oh, he lives... I, I know a guy that lives next like pretty close to you and um happens to share same name is my namesake so um we had that in common found out we went to the same primary school at i think different times i don't know i don't know i think it was different times because there is a slight age difference but i'm sure he was there when I was there. I'm sure there was an overlap, but we didn't know each other at that time. Anyway, but I've got... So that's my next layer. And, and I'm not saying that these guys are any less friends than the guys in my core group. The core group, is because there's there's a special bond there, because these, these are my friends from childhood. Next layer up, I've got a really close friendship with these guys as well. And then kind of outside of that, then it's kind of everyone else, really. So if you don't make it into the first two tiers, you're, you're kind of in the every other category. <laughs> Sorry, that's just the way it is. Um, I'm not going to lie. It's just the way it is. Uh, you've got to work hard to get into those two, into, um, those two those, that first and second tier. But these are the guys that I'll pick up my phone and call and text frequently regularly whatever anyway um one thing and and this is this is the thing common to all these friendships is a level of honesty so I can't consider someone my friend if that honesty isn't there. And 
there's something about having male friends that have matured. I'm heading into my mid-40s. Most of my friends are heading into their mid-40s or are in their mid-40s. Because um, some of them are a few months older than me. Um, I'm scraping. I am sc- I'm clinging on to um, the last few months of my early 40s. But... I'm I'm heading into my mid forties. Anyway, that's again that's a different different topic. But there is something about the mature male bond where you start to just have honest conversations. There's no none of this ego or trying to um trying to you know impress each other. You you say it like it is. And it's the most refreshing thing because there's no pretense in the relationships. Everyone comes and they are who they are. They say what they say. You like it or you don't like it. So one of the things is we don't mince our words. It's one of those, I said what I said. Now, we can cuss each other out. We can get we can get mad at each other and, and have a disagreement, but it's open, honest disagreement, not anyone holding grudges, not anyone um you know having any malice towards the other person. It's just a disagreement on viewpoints. And one the interesting thing about viewpoints is your, your your viewpoint is shaped by your environment and and what you're experiencing and whether you, whether we some people may not want to acknowledge it but even at this age we are all experiencing different things we're all in different income brackets we all have different sized families we all have different levels of support around us so our Daily experiences are different. Therefore, those daily experiences will shape our view viewpoints. We are all at different points in our spiritual journeys. Again, these differing experiences will shape our viewpoints. So sometimes you get heads butting, but we can either agree to disagree and move or, you know, we agree and we move on. But, you know, <laughs> no, my friends, it's rare that people concede. People hold hold strong to their views. But, you know, if we do, the thing is, if we do disagree and someone concedes, we're mad about it. We're, we should be like, okay, cool. You're right. All right, cool. My bad. I'll take the L. And that's, and we move on. But, the best thing is just this honest checking in that we do. Um, and I don't know many male friendship groups that have this. Uh, so I'm not saying that people don't check in on their friends. But 
I'm talking about a level of checking in where we know each other well enough to know when someone is slipping. And what I mean by that is they're going through something that's making them act different to how they normally act. We're quick off the mark to spot these things in each other. Maybe because we've, you know, for me and one friend, we've known each other over 30 years. For me and the other guys, it's coming, it's quickly coming up to 30 years. So maybe that's, maybe that's what it is. But there's this thing, like, what? So, <laughs> so one of my friends will phone me and he'd be like, so I, I don't know if you guys have got this. He is the high energy, will beef with anyone if they cross him. The most loving guy you'll ever meet, but don't cross him. Because once you cross him, he will want to crush you. So he phones me up. And if he hasn't heard from me in two days. Now, it's not even up to 48 hours. If he hasn't heard from me within 48 hours, I'm getting the phone call that starts with, it'll be that. Ring, yeah, don't don't watch the ringing. But the phone will ring. I'll pick up a hello. It'll be like, "You all right?" <laughs> that's that's how the phone call would start. It'll be like, "You all right?" I'm like, "Uh, yeah." It was like, "Okay, so where you been? What's going on?" And I know that when he says that, it means that he's noticed that. I'm acting out of character because we will, on average, we speak two to three times a day. Might check in as we're on our, as we're traveling to work or something. Might check in on lunch breaks. Might check in after work. Might check in in the evening if we're watching something and, and, you know, want to share it with the other person but at some point at about two to three times in one day we will we will check up so for him to not hear from me in 48 hours that's a problem for him and vice versa to be to be honest I call him sometimes and, and I'm the one going you're all right or um so it's getting to a point where and that's not to say we don't do that with our other friends. We do. I've got a regular Wednesday. I get a regular message from another one of my boys every Wednesday, like clockwork. Um, another one of my boys, again, we speak every day. So if I'm not hearing from these guys, the phone is being picked up. And that checking in is happening. The interesting the interesting thing is the nature of the checkups now we're at a point where it's 
I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's a, again, maybe it's a mature man thing, but we're checking on each other's health. We're checking on each other's mental well-being. We're checking on each other's resilience to what's going on around us. How are you doing? Are you coping? You, you, need, you need anything? Is there anything I can take off your plate? Can I help you with anything? And there is just no ego in it. And that's, that's the bit, that's what I love. Once you get to that point where your friendship is so mature, you've, you guys have matured to the point where you can take ego out of the conversation and ask another man or say to another man, I am not doing too good, bro. Um, I'm having a bit of a tough one. Or I just needed to vent. You've crossed that. You've crossed that barrier into something special. And again, this is not to say that I don't just have this with my core group. I have this with the next level as well. Uh, the guy, the guys that I maybe don't speak to every day, but whenever I speak to them, it's a real conversation. It's we're talking about any and everything. And anyone that knows me knows I have zero filter. So when I have conversations with, I, I, back in the day I did. I used, I used to be so conscious of what I said and wouldn't want to hurt anyone's feelings, wouldn't want to offend anyone. Now I don't care. I just, I don't mince my words. My friends don't, we, amongst, our, in our group and with my, in my friendship groups, I don't mince my words. I have zero filter. I will say what I feel like saying. And those who know me and understand me know where it's coming from. No, nothing that I say is ever said with malice. So my friends understand that. And that's why I don't need to filter anything or mince my words. I say it like I say it. You know, I've got I've got a friend that my friends will always tell me, "Oh, you're being, oh, you're being, you're being dumb," or "You're uh, don't, you idiot," or something. They will, they will, if I say something stupid, they they will challenge it. But likewise, if we're doing something wild, we're not going to let it slide. We hold each other accountable. We hold each other to the same standards. No one within our friendship group gets a pass. You are responsible for your well-being. The well-being of those that you love. The well-being of those you care for. Whether that's your family or your extended family and when I say extended family I'm talking about our friendship group we hold each other accountable to make sure that we are checking in on each other's well-being and I think that's the for me that that that's a beautiful thing I love the fact that my friends would, would tell me. I get called all kinds of names. 
and I know that even when they diss me, when they when they make fun of me or whatever, it's always in jest. It's always from a place of love. If I said, if I came out and I I said, um, oh, this happened, something something happened. There'll probably be about twenty jokes. Once they're bored of making the jokes, then they'll be like, but are you all right? And the real conversation begins. And that's that's how it happens in our group. If you can't take the jokes, then hey ho. You know who you can joke with actually. In your friendship friendship groups, you know the jokes that you can all take. But Whilst when when you're younger, you hide behind humour and humour might be the prevalent thing and you don't actually address the underlying problems or you don't talk about the underlying issues that someone's experiencing. You just gloss over it with a few jokes. I'm talking about friendships now that have gone beyond glossing over and talking, you know, glossing over with jokes into talking about the real issues, into talking about the decay in society, into talking about the challenges of raising children, into talking about how to embrace godliness in every aspect of your life, into talking about being providers, supporters, and the builders of dreams within our families. It's a beautiful thing. But we also have, there is one key phrase that we have. When someone, so we, I might tell you something. I might give you some advice. Now, if you choose to ignore me, that's your business. And that is a key phrase in our friendship. That's your business if you want to ignore what you've been told the advice you've been given or whatever that's your business do you but that but what i guess what i want to say is that that advice would never be withheld it doesn't matter what's going on it doesn't matter how many times we've clashed it doesn't matter about old conflicts or whatever the underlying thing in our friendship is there's there is clear genuine respect and love in that friendship group and the maturity is being able to express that the the maturity is being able to look at your boys and tell them hey you know i love you right and Hearing your friends say, yep, love you too, bro. That is a beautiful thing. Last week, we started digging into manhood and talking about gender and gender equality, gender balance, whatever you want to call it. Um, And that, that got me heated. (laughs) <laughs> I got a little excited on that So 
Maybe I got cancelled. I don't know. I'll see. Maybe if 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 less people listen to the show, if less people download the show this week, maybe I got I got cancelled for some of my viewpoints. But as I said, I will start this week with the same disclaimer that I gave last week. I stand behind the biblical viewpoint. I'm not here to try and be politically correct. I'm trying to be biblically correct. In the same way that you support and get behind and and express a view of equality in diversity, please respect my view, my biblical viewpoint, my faith-based viewpoint. Respect the diversity that is my viewpoint. You cannot discriminate against someone's viewpoint or you cannot disregard someone's view or make someone disregard their view in support of a view that you or or agenda that you want to drive. That is discrimination. So I guess what I'm saying is do not discriminate against me for not agreeing to believe the same thing that you believe. Is that not what equality and diversity is about? Um, I will express this. No, at no point are any views expressed expressed from a place of hate. Anyone that, if you under, if you listen to my words and listen to what I say, you will understand that nothing that is said on this po- podcast comes from a place of hate. Everything is expressed from a place of love and based on a biblical viewpoint. That is all I will say. That's my disclaimer. So jumping into it. Today we're talking about family structures. And the impact the evolving family structure has on manhood in today's society. So go back... 40, 50 years, the traditional nuclear family structure was a married heterosexual couple with children. That was the norm. Or that was the standard. That was what was considered the nuclear family. Now, as we've moved in time, that nuclear family structure has become far less prevalent. 
we are now in a world where we see far more blended families or single parent households or same-sex couples or co-parenting arrangements or cohabiting couples and these diverse structures challenge the traditional notions of um of a man or of fatherhood so clear easy example a very easy example if we have a same-sex couple who assumes that role of father and who assumes that role of mother is it just both assume the role of so if if it's two men do you both assume the role of father where does the motherly influence come in or if it's two women do you both assume the role role of mother and where does the father figure come in or is it just and I am no expert and again I'm not saying this is not coming from a place of um, criticism or or anything I'm the, the viewpoint I'm expressing and I'm trying to understand here I'm 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 processing thoughts here is it is it a setup where you you've and this is what I'm assuming based on what the research says or, or what the information says. It seems that the concept of a mother and a father are done away in in that scenario. And it is just the role of parent or the role of two parents. And in that scenario, both of the individuals in that couple assume responsibilities that would have been traditionally either the father or the mothers both can can pick and choose the responsibilities that they take on board and take ownership of um Let's look at blended families because this creates another complex family structure where you might have a couple where they were both or one or both were previously married and now they've come together and they have children from their previous marriage and maybe they have a child together so now you've got this complex structure now how does now let again I don't, and I'm going from my experience of speaking of people that I've spoken to with that are that are kind of 
that are in blended families. The just because they have remarried, that the, the the stepfather does not assume the father, you know, be, immediately become the father fi- figure for um, the other child. It's not like their father is not in the picture. Obviously, in a situation where their father isn't in the picture, then that can happen. But say, say the child's natural mother and father or biological mother and father are in the picture. The stepdad is just another father figure. And the stepmother is just another mother figure. Um, you have expanded families, extended families, where you've got um, potentially, maybe some, in some situations, it depends. It could be anyone in the extended family. It could be grandparents. It could be an uncle and an aunt um, living with the family. And again, sometimes they get involved in what would have been traditionally the responsibility of the parents. So, again, that can have an interesting impact on that view of fatherhood because I guess there are people in the relationship assuming a responsibility that traditionally would have been considered that of the father or the man in the relationship. So... Obviously, the biblical viewpoint is is quite clear, quite simple. the The biblical viewpoint leans towards the or stands and upholds the traditional nuclear family structure. A hetero, a married heterosexual couple, um, and that's supported by. Scripture in Genesis 2.24, this explains why a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. So it's that man, woman, husband, wife, joined together, one, one family unit. Now, the interesting thing for me is... How this these these new structures have resulted well these new structures have created a an environment where it's kind of like what's the best way of what is the best way of putting this? To an extent, these structures have given some men, I'm not saying all men, an excuse not to assume certain responsibilities. And they have somewhat weaponized 
the family structure in a way that causes tension between men and women. What I mean by that is this. We are now in a world where, and and I guess it's probably the, the rise of secularism in in our society um we are far less we are far less um likely to have these traditional nuclear family structures so we've got a ton of single parent households either that single mothers or single fathers and i applaud i applaud both single parent single mothers and single fathers for the for what they do because they have to play the resp- they have to take that responsibility of both mother and father now in a great in a, in an ideal world co-parenting is where you you know if you if you if you're not together at least co-parenting so the child gets both that father and that mother and they get that the man teaching what he should teach his children the mother teaching what she should teach her children um because you know i'm not i'm not going to sit here and say that only a married couple can achieve or successfully raise a child that's not that's not necessarily true um i believe a, a child needs the love of both parents to thrive and that is why i applaud single parents who have successfully raised children and that may be through the support of extended family having um, in the case of single mothers having some male family member that has played a part as a father figure or as in the parent in the case of single fathers maybe a family member that's played um, a motherly role in the life of a child. I applaud them, and I applaud them because they take they have to do everything. They are the provider. They are the caregiver. They are the protector. They are the child's everything. So I will never stand here and allow anyone to. Um, discredit or diminish or throw shade I guess on single parents because being a parent is a tough job and to have to do it on your own is an even tougher job so yeah applause applause to to single parents and 
Also, applause to people who have successfully blended families. Again, I don't want people to think that people are out here judging blended families or judging people who have had um, unsuccessful marriages and then found love elsewhere. I don't, you know, there's no shade. There is no shade. I guess that the interesting, for me, it's an interesting viewpoint. And what I want to understand is how that new type of family structure impacts the role or the view of manhood or the view of fatherhood or the view of being a man. Do, as men, so a question would be, do some men feel and and i guess you could you could spin the question towards women as well but again like i said in the, when i first kicked off this topic i'm i'm here as a safe space for men i'd really be interested to find out how many men are um felt you know if them if their relationship broke up or their marriage broke up felt like it was somewhat a a blemish on their manhood. Did it make them feel like less of a man? Um, I'd be interested to just it'd be interesting to just have a conversation to to understand that. And again, that's that's an, this is a complete no judgment zone. Um, I think it's very easy for men to fall into a position where we can end up compromising our marriages in terms of the their our ability to have a successful marriage because we're so focused on. The, as we talked about last week, the trappings of success. We're so focused on the things that we need to do and the things that we need to provide that we forget what our responsibility is. And the same can also be said for women. Um, It kind of draws me to what's said in Ephesians 5, 21, all the way through to Ephesians 6, 4. And I'm going to read it um, just so you understand where I'm coming from. And it says, and further, okay, (sighs) this is a scripture that can, this is a scripture that it is, that is often misquoted um or used out of context and i'm glad that it's going to start where it's where it starts so i'll come back to to this point once i've read it 
and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. For wives, this means submit to your husband as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his house, oh sorry, is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As a church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. For husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her him, to himself as a glorious church without a spot, a spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. No one hates his own body but feeds and cares for it just as Christ cares for the church. And we are members of his body. As the scripture says, a man leaves his father and his mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. This is a great mystery, but it is an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. For this, oh sorry. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honour your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. If you honour your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have, long, have a long life on earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. And as I said, that was... Ephesians 5.21 all the way through to 6.4. And so first thing for me is that submit to one, one another out of reverence for Christ. Everyone always skips that bit. Everyone, everyone always jumps to, oh, wives, submit to your husbands. But the scripture actually says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So going back to what I said last week about equality, God established equality not at a gender level because he says he made male and female in his own image, meaning at the spirit level, he already defined them as being equal because they were made in his image. Not It wasn't like men were made in his image and then women were made something else, in the image of something else. It says both were made in his image. So that makes sense to me when I look at the scripture and it says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. It still, it, it respects that equality. But what I will say is that if you read the scripture, you, you realize that the bigger responsibility is placed on the husband. 
And I will continue to emphasize this point when we talk about manhood and fatherhood and um, the role of men and what it means to be a man in in this modern world, especially if you're trying to be a, a biblic a, a man that is biblically sound and living according to biblical principle, the responsibility or the greater responsibility lies with you. So your wife it the your wife needs to respect you. But that comes with you loving her and if you read the way that the bible says to that a husband should love his wife there is a lot that we as men are expected to do the interesting thing is that there is no focus here on on the you know the basic day-to-day stuff i know we addressed men as providers and all of that stuff last week but that leadership or that husband being the, the head of the wife as christ is the head of the church it comes down to him being that's it's a it's it's a spiritual leadership it's a spiritual leadership that that god is talking about here making her holy cleansing her by the washing of god's word Without wrinkle or blemish. It says, in the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. In the same way that you will pray that God will cleanse you, that God will make you an acceptable living sacrifice. You must pray the same for your wife. You must declare the same over your wife you must prepare and present her in the same way as you present yourself i think it is interesting that we focus so much on the first part of this scripture and it's and everyone throws their toys out of the pram as soon as you say wives submit unto submit to your husbands it's interesting that we skip out this and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ it's interesting we've we skip the fact that there is a large responsibility placed on the man for a man who actually loves his wife actually shows love to himself. No one hates his body and feed, but feeds it 
and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church. Feed, care for. The onus is on us as men to cherish, protect, care, provide for our wives. And then it starts to talk about the environment that we bring children into. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord. Honour your father and mother. If we bring them into an environment where two people are submitted onto each other in reverence to Christ, in reverence for Christ, then we bring them into an environment where they understand what how a man should love a woman and how a woman should love a man. We bring them into an environment where we can impart the knowledge of God on them. We bring them into an environment where we can share and and teach them and nurture them in a way that they understand that The measure of a man is not in how much money he earns. The measure of a man is not in how many sexual conquests he has. The measure of a man is not in how much weight he can lift in the gym. The measure of a man is not in the car he drives or the status he holds or the profession he's in the measure of a man is in his ability to submit to Christ to submit to his wife as she submits to him in rever- out of reverence for Christ, his ability to love his wife, to care for her, to pray for her, to lift her up when she is weak, to cling on to her, to be vulnerable to for her. You know, being vulnerable to her, sorry. Um... The measure of a man is not in the, in, we don't measure a man by the scale that the world uses because the world uses perverse scales. That's why these Andrew Tates and Kevin Samuels and all these Personas that want to talk about that focus on all oh, toxic behavior or toxic feminine behavior or an alpha male, and this is this is what makes you an alpha male or whatever. These are all perverse views. 
show me any one of these that has resulted in a successful relationship. You see, the thing is, these viewpoints will sprinkle in a little truth. They'll sprinkle in, yes, a man must provide. But then they will heap a bunch of nonsense on top of it to feed a perverse agenda. And that's why you end up with, well, you know, I'm not going to talk about, I'm not going to, you know, use this platform to to talk about those people in that kind of way. But the fact is, you you guys have you you see what's going on in the news. You see what's happening with them. You see what they what they've been accused of. I'm not going to speak ill of someone that can't defend themselves. So I won't talk about Kevin Samuels. But you've seen his content. You've seen the kind of content he created. Um, you've seen. How people have responded to that. A man. Look. Should we be out here bashing women? No. Should we hold. Women. Accountable for their behaviour? Yes. I believe we should. In the same vein. We should hold men accountable for toxic behaviour as well. No one gender has a monopoly on toxic behavior. But when I look at it from a biblical viewpoint, the onus is on the man. And in order for the man to have a wife that is submitted unto him, that respects him, first he must, he must also submit unto her. And he must love her and love her in the way that the Bible describes. And out of that, if you love someone as much as you love yourself. The expectation then is that you will reap a woman that respects you and and reciprocates and meets your submission with her submission. I've always said that my my marriage turned a corner when I learned to become vulnerable to my wife. When I entrusted her with all the knowledge about me and my fears and my um secrets or whatever it may be anything I entrusted it all to her knowing that she then had the power to use these against me and weaponize them in whatever way she wanted and she met that with an equal amount of vulnerability and shared her all with me so that I didn't feel exposed and she protected my weaknesses as I protected hers. I realized that we turned a corner to and found a new level of love, 
trust and we became I guess as it says we I guess we submitted unto each other it was no longer about me in this relationship and it was no longer about her it was about creating an environment and a marriage and a home that pleased God and I guess so one of the interesting things that I read this week was just um, I think that one of the stats was that between I think it was 1975 and now um, I will double check that um I'm I'm sure it is. I'm sure it is. I think we've had sort of a rise in a rise in um secularism in our society and I think I mentioned that earlier. But we are at a point where church attendance is down um what did it say what did it say since 1985 church church attendance has gone down by approximately 60% um so this is on, I was reading this from the BBC. Um, yeah, church attendance is down 60%. Marriage is no longer seen as something sacred or important in a religious, religious sense. Um... Divorce rate has risen because, again, with people not seeing marriage as something of uh, as something of sanctity, no longer believing in the sanctity of marriage and believing that you can exit whatever you want for whatever reason that, that you want. And the process now being so easy to do, people take advantage of it. People no longer work towards building and establishing strong marriages. Um, we now have. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna stand here and say that we have a more promiscuous society because the bible also says that there is nothing new under the under the sun it's all been seen and done before so we know that in the bible there was some there was some serious levels of promiscuity and people were moving wild and doing whatever so i'm not i'm not gonna i'm not gonna base i'm gonna 
make the assumption that we are no more promiscuous than than those societies. But what I do believe is that the rise in, in secular culture and the decrease in the the view that marriage being sanctity being sanctified and you know set apart holy something special um yeah it's it's shocking it's shocking but it's it's no surprise is what i'll say it's shocking and it, but it's it's no surprise that we've lost our view of what a man's responsibilities are again this is not judging anyone's position what i'm saying is when we had the so in a traditional nuclear family i guess the lines were easier to draw and i'm not being i'm go back to last week's episode so you'll understand my view on on equality and gender equality and all of that stuff i'm not I, I'm I'm not playing to um, these social norms or whatever that, that we're talking about today. Um, when I talk about where we are, it, it's uh, and a nuclear family. I, I'm talking about, especially from a biblical perspective, you understand your role and your responsibility as a man. And I guess without that grounding, what are you anchoring yourself on? And if your anchor point, every, if everyone has a different anchor point, everyone has a different standard. And if everyone, and I say this at work, actually. So one of the, with, with, with what I do, um, I help businesses create robust processes and ways of working and one of the most common things that result in deviations from the norm is a lack of standardization because if everyone has their own standard then there is no gold standard but if there's a if there is one single anchor point if there is one single single anchor point, one single way of doing things, one standard, then it is easy to create a gold standard and something to measure against and easy to identify the deviations. But as we move towards a more secular society, there is no standard. Because no one clings to the biblical standard anymore. Everyone has created their own. 
Um, anyway, I'm going to leave. I'm going to leave it there because we're we're still going to be digging into this area. Um, but I think the takeaway for me is that this increase in secular culture has created a world where there are multiple standards and nobody knows what standard they are working to anymore. Everyone is working to, you know, whatever works for them. But that's not the way it should be. So I was going to jump into um, a bit of soul searching. And I guess soul searching kind of relates a little bit to what we've been talking about. Um, I, I touched on it slightly about promiscuity. And it's been something that's, that's bugged me for a while. I've, in all my reading thus far, I've found that the Bible is very clear on uh, promiscuity in relation to women. There is a clear scripture in Deuteronomy um, where it, 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 it calls it out. And... Uh, where was it? It was Deuteronomy 22. And without reading the whole thing, um, you can read the whole thing yourself, but it's 13 down to... 13 down to 21. But I would just read 20 and... 21 it says but suppose the man's accused so basically um from third it's talking about a man takes a man take a man takes a woman oh what am i talking about a man takes a woman to be his wife and um it says he turns against her and accuses her of not being a virgin and it talks about the proceedings and how her parents must bring her bring the her sheets uh, bed sheets as the proof of her virginity and they must spread the, her bed sheets before the elders and if it proves that she was a, virg- a virgin or whatever then he must compensate them and he must she must remain his wife so picking up from that point it says but suppose the man's accusations are true and he can show that she was not a virgin the woman must be taken to the door of her father's home and there the men of the town must stone her to to death for she has committed a disgraceful crime in israel by being promiscuous while living in her parents home in this way you will purge this evil from among you now, um, one of the interesting things, <laughs> and I guess this just came to my, 
So if she wasn't living in her parents' home and she was doing what she was doing, is she would she still be stoned and classed as promiscuous? Um, I guess culturally at that point, a woman lived in her parents' home until she was married. So I guess we can't remove that context from this conversation. But assuming, let's just assume all things are equal. Um, there is a clear, there is a clear end point for someone that's considered promiscuous. So I thought, well, what is the view for of promiscuity when it comes to to men? And the only time I've found men being stoned to death for sexual sin was adultery or rape or incest. And I guess a woman could not accuse a man of not being kind of like what I talked about before where there was no test for guilt when a woman felt her um, husband has been unfaithful. But here it clearly says a man would be stoned to death for adultery. But then there's also the concept that a man could take multiple wives. And if a man was caught sleeping with a virgin, then he had to compensate her her father and marry her. So, you know, he'd be expected to pay the bride bride price and, and marry her. So... It's kind of well. What is the what is the standard? Um, why is there? Obviously, you know, from a physical point of view, the breaking of the hymen, the shedding of blood, the creation of a covenant, and um, remember that. The sex was the act of marriage in that time. The shedding of blood signified the making of a marriage covenant between man and woman. And that's why it says, and the two shall become one. But. I'm still trying to get around because in my view, I expect my son to respect his body in the same way that I expect my daughters to respect their bodies. I expect my son to respect the bodies of young women in the same way that I expect my daughters to respect the bodies of young men. Sexual purity is not a one-way street for me. I expect both 
my son and my daughters to have that respect for themselves that they will not just be um, they will not be so flippant with their bodies and their virginities and, and so on and so forth. But I just find it interesting that most of the accounts that I read were always around adultery or incest. And it felt like outside, as long as it wasn't adultery, as long as it wasn't incest, a young man could go out and have his feel and have his fill and do whatever, you know, do whatever he felt to do. And it's just, so I'm still trying to figure it out. So here's my, here's my challenge. If anyone, if anyone out there understands the ancient Hebrew culture and I'm probably going to have to go away and do some research you know what that, that's what I'm going to do I'm going to go do some more research on this but if anyone out there does understand this um, have some knowledge about a- ancient Hebrew culture um, reach out to me uh, david at, at dailyperspective.co.uk um, and or Mr. Daily at Mr. Daily on, sorry, at DY Daily on, on X, at DY Daily on Instagram, reach out to me, DM, whatever. But I'm going to go away and I'm going to do some digging into the culture because I, I, so I might revisit this next week in Soul Searching because I, I still, I'm still perplexed by it. Um, because I want to make sure that I am, I handle, I handle this right. I hate giving false information or wrong information or whatever, but I'm, I'm extremely curious about this because it, to me, in everything I've read so far, Old and New Testament, it kind of feels like men are held to a slightly different standard. And I want to understand why. I'm going to leave it at that. Here's my imperfect wrap-up. When it comes to your friendships, seek out those true friendships that are founded on honesty, truth, Um, loyalty integrity accountability and someone that, that's not afraid to tell you how it is no judgement um, you know someone that genuinely friends, friends that genuinely care for you and want to see you win but they're not afraid to hold you to account and tell you what it is When it comes to 
family structure. We need a standard. I believe we need a gold standard. I believe the Bible provides that gold standard. But I also prov- I also believe that there are situations and circumstances that result in slight deviations from that standard. And this is where a community is required. If someone doesn't get back into another relationship and there is no father figure, this is where we need father figures in the community to step in and help. This is where we need mother figures in the communities to step in and help. Not to take advantage of them, not to exploit them, but from a godly perspective of care and love. I'm not saying that any of the existing, you know, I'm not I'm not throwing shade at any structures that exist. But my viewpoint is founded on biblical standards. And um, personally, at the moment, I feel like I need to hold men and women to the same standards. And I do hold men and women to the same standards of sexual purity in the same way that I um, think that men and women should respect their... I expect men and women to respect their bodies. I expect men and women to be faithful in relationships um, and not to engage in extra marital activity and yeah I just believe we, we hold each other to the same standard that's that's my viewpoint that's my perspective that's the daily perspective anyway I'm gonna be out of here now um I'm going to go do some more reading, some more research, and I'm going to join you next week as we dive deeper into this whole topic of manhood and, you know, what it means to be a man in this modern world. I'll see you on the other side. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Imperfectly Human podcast. Remember to subscribe and share this podcast. You can do this on your favorite streaming platforms.